Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. Thanks for downloading. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Pensionbee, the flexible pension for the self-employed. They make it easy to contribute as much or as little as you like, as often as you like. Get set up in minutes and then get back to business. And if you've got existing pensions, it's easy to bring them together. Start saving for a future beyond being freelance. Download the app or head to pensionbee.com. Here's the grown-up bit. Pensionbee is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. With investments, your capital is at risk. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For writer and public relations consultant, Michelle Garrett. Working for myself, I have to be marketing all the time. It's really good to keep the hopper full and just constantly be talking to people because sometimes you'll talk to somebody today and they might not need you or think of you again for six months or a year or two years, or but you have that relationship. So then when the need arises, they're like, oh, yes, I remember Michelle. I talked to her. I'm going to get in touch with her now because we have a need now. I prefer retainers. <laughs> I like them because I think it helps the client, you know, know what they're going to pay, what they're going to be spending, and then also helps the consultant to know how to kind of plan. I think the more they're committed to me, the more I'm committed to them. You have a lot of ups and downs, and you have to be okay with that. Like, you learn a down is not going to stay that way forever, and an up is probably not going to stay that way either. So there's Michelle, her story coming up in a moment. If you're active on Twitter, you probably already know Michelle because she hosts the weekly freelance chat. We talk about that uh, in her conversation that coming up in a moment. By the way, last week's episode ended with a fire alarm. Well, thanks for your concern. <laughs> I'm OK. There was a genuine alarm. Turns out having an alarm when you work in a co-work space is quite a good networking opportunity. I mean, I'm not suggesting you go and set off your fire alarm if you work in a shared office space. Um, but yeah, you do end up standing around chatting to lots of people. So anyway, there, there was one side benefit. Weirdly enough, that was last week's episode. This week's episode is besieged by workmen with loud power tools who were outside my office when I recorded it. it because of the time difference between me in the UK and Michelle in the States, I was here quite late at night, but so were they. <laughs> I guess because nobody else was around, they didn't think they'd disturb anyone. So, um, yeah, occasionally you might hear, what else have I got to chat about? I know. Have I pointed you in the direction of beingfreelance.com yet? No, I haven't. So I shall. Uh, head there, have an explore of the blog articles, all of the episodes for the podcast, which all have show notes and transcriptions and things. Click on the shop. If you want to get yourself a Being Freelance mug or hoodie or T-shirt. And of course, click on the link through to the community if you fancy being surrounded by like-minded people doing what you're doing. Uh, Oh, and if you're a new freelancer, click on the course link. So many links to click. If you enjoy clicking links, you'll be in heaven. Yeah, you can click on the course. It's called How to Get Started Being Freelance. If you're new to freelancing, if you're thinking of going freelancing, please do check it out. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what have you got to lose? Go take a look. Okay, let's crack on. Head off to the States and chat to this week's guest. And that is freelance writer and public relations consultant, Michelle Garrett. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Whereabouts are you, by the way? I am in Columbus, Ohio, in the Midwest. Cool. Okay. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Well, it was something I think I was maybe born to do. Uh, My parents... (laughs) 
we're both self-employed. And so um, growing up, you know, nobody went to work for somebody else in an office or business. They, they each had their own um, businesses. And I got to see that, you know, kind of from the inside out. And I, of course, worked um, at my dad's produce market. All the four kids worked there growing up and kind of saw him in action. And then my mom um, had an antique business and she opened a shop. And so I saw that as well. And so they were, um, I guess they were inspiring me without me even really realizing it. So then, of course, I, you know, worked and went to college and all of that. And when I got into the world of work, I always felt like, why do I have to sit in a cubicle, you know, from nine to five or you know, whatever, every day, why do I have to do that? And I tried in vain many times to get my bosses to let me work remotely, which is so funny to me, because now, of course, we see you know, a huge remote work trend, right? And that has only taken, I mean, I've been in the world of work for a long time. So, but, um, so then um, I had just always known that I wanted to go out on my own. And I was out working in um, Northern California in Silicon Valley, and I kind of decided that I was going to for sure make the leap and I put things in place. And when it was time, um, I started on day one with three clients and I kind of never looked back. Amazing. Just to put things in perspective, what year are we talking about as when you took that leap? Oh, golly. Maybe 2000. Cool. <laughs> I know that sounds like a an eternity to most people, but um, but yeah, no, I actually and and I'm not trying to date myself, but I did actually work in jobs as well before I went out on my own. So I had experience working in house and at an agency, and I did all those things because I really believe that's important. Um, if you want to work for yourself, I think you need to do that first. That's I do believe in that. So yeah, but it's been a while. When you said you had things in place before you struck out on your own, things in place? What, what did you put in place? Well, I, I talked to a lot of people who were working for themselves already. And I got to know what I would need as far as systems. So invoicing and administrative side of things. It's really not that, I mean, it is complicated, but it doesn't have to be. But it was really nice to have somebody there at that time, because of course, then there was there weren't that many apps and and things that you know like we have now that you can use to do all of those things uh it really you really needed help like as far as somebody's support and guidance and so that I was really fortunate I got involved in a in a professional organization that had a freelance group it was called the freelancers roundtable and they got together about once a month and they had speakers and of course you would meet people you would network and so I was doing that for probably a year or so before I even went out on my own. And I got to know a lot of people. And some of my first clients came through those relationships as well. And then I also had a website because I was in Silicon Valley and that was, <laughs> it's kind of required, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, you started immediately, hit the ground running with three clients. So did yeah. they all come from that? How did you get those first clients? They were from uh, people I worked with in, a, in two of the cases. Friends from work referred me to people they knew that needed PR consulting help. And then the third one I got through the professional organization, through the Freelancers Roundtable. 
And so you were positioning yourself as a PR consultant? Yes. So you said it's sort of, you know, ever since then, it, it just kept going, basically. Mm-hmm. But how, how did it keep going? Was it all just word of mouth? In the beginning, a lot of it was my network. And I think that's still a big part of it. And of course, we didn't have social media back then when I started. Um, But that has become a much bigger part of what I do of how I find clients. I'm very active on Twitter, for example, Um, I am on LinkedIn, I'm in B2B. So it's again, I think that, you know, that's kind of a requirement almost. Uh, My heart is really with Twitter. (laughs) So um, I use that. And then I also, of course, I, you know, I've done, I've added more to my website back then it was more or less a brochure site, you know, here's how to contact me. And here's some bullet points about what I do. And now I'm actually um, redoing it a little bit to even uh, include pricing and um, more case studies and things like that. So it's evolving. And I do blog there. And I think that's helped me. And I also write contributed articles and I don't always get paid for those. And I know that can be controversial. Um, we're not supposed to do things without being paid, but um, it is really how I market myself. I enjoy doing that. It's, it's fun for me and I get visibility out of it. So to me, it's a win and I don't always need to be paid as long as it's leading to something, you know, relationships or leads or just visibility. I mean, I do think there's a lot of things that you can't always measure the effectiveness of, but you, but you have a feeling that they are effective. Mm. So when you say contributing articles, it might be magazine articles or blog posts yeah. and you're pitching them, are you? Well, sometimes I do. And sometimes they come to me and mm. offer me, you know, a spot. Would you like to write a post and we'll put it on our blog and then they'll publicize it, you know, and then they and they tag you. So um, it's worked really well for me. They also put links back to your site, you know, in many cases. And um, in a few cases, you know, I even have been, you know, paid to do them and they have definitely led to paid work. i posted for Muckrack on their blog once a month for, oh, I don't know, three or four years. And that's led to at least several paying clients in the writing space. So, And because you're doing PR, is a lot of that uh, one-off projects or is it retainer type work? I prefer retainers. Um, some people don't like retainers. I like them because I think it helps the client, you know, know what they're going to pay, what they're going to be spending, and then also helps the consultant to know how to kind of plan, you know, my time and how much, you know, really, I think the more they're committed to me, the more I'm committed to them. That's kind of how I feel rightly or wrongly. And I also get to know them a lot better. And I get to dig in. Because if I'm just doing like a one off PR project, which I really am not doing nearly as much now, because I just don't think they, they just don't think they're that successful. It is really hard to dig in and get results when you're when they say, okay, we have one press release, one announcement, we'd like you to pitch it for us. That's not nearly as effective as, say, a three to six month type of program where we're doing multiple things, we're, we're maybe pitching contributed articles for a client, thought leadership pieces. We're also maybe pitching any news announcements they have. We're looking for opportunities that you know, come up along the way in their industry and industry publications and so forth. So I feel like I can just do a lot more for a client. And of course, the more we can collaborate, the more success we usually have. Yeah. And does that translate into how you market yourself as well? I suppose that whole, you know, it's like a 
a regular putting yourself out there rather than a one-off? Yes. I mean, I feel like working for myself, I have to be marketing all the time. And I think it's a mistake in some cases not to think that way. Of course, some people may not need to do that. And I can't speak for everyone. But I think when you pull back, when you feel very confident and your client load is full and you feel like, okay, everything's going in the right direction, especially now, I feel like marketing items are the first to go sometimes when there are budget cuts. And of course, we see people being laid off, which can benefit freelancers. But you also think, well, if they're cutting their marketing team, they could be cutting their marketing budget. And that means me, you know, so I just feel like it's really good to keep some things in the hopper all the time. Because even if you talk to someone, chances are, it may not work out anyway. If you talk to five people, you know, you might end up with one as a client, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like, it's really good to keep the hopper full and just constantly be talking to people because sometimes you'll talk to somebody today and they might not need you or think of you again for six months or a year or two years or, but you have that relationship. So then when the need arises, they're like, Oh yes, I remember Michelle. I talked to her. I'm going to get in touch with her now because we have a need now. You just said, Oh yeah, I remember Michelle. And I wanted to ask you about that because you, you use a company name. It's still your name though, right? Yes, I use Garrett Public Relations. Um, And I've thought about like, because I also write, uh, I've thought about is is that the right name? But I feel like the writing that I do is connected to PR. And I feel like to be an effective PR consultant, you really need to be a strong writer. And I went to journalism school. Uh, The public relations piece of it was within the journalism school. So I actually trained as a journalist in college. I wrote for the paper. I interviewed sources. I wrote stories that were in the paper. And, you know, so I'm not saying I've ever worked, you know, at the New York Times or anything like that. But I do understand how journalism works. And I even write stories sometimes when I do contributed articles, I'll write them in more of a journalistic style where I interview people and pull up data and cite facts and, you know, things like that. So I think that piece of it was really important. So did you always like start out as Garrett Public Relations or did you switch to that? I've always been Garrett Public Relations. List I don't want to dwell on the fact that it's been 22 years, okay? <laughs> but that's equally fantastic, okay? <laughs> and and, uh, and to be honest, if I had gone freelance straight out of university, I would have also been freelance for 22 years. Yeah. But anyway, the, what I'm just wondering, though, is, um, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes I see people talking and they're like, oh, how do I stay motivated? How do you, you know, like you're going through this every day and I'm just working by myself. How do I? Obviously, you've maintained that for over two decades. So how have you <laughs> managed to keep yourself going? Yeah, that's a good question. It's not always easy. I think that I am really into not only being in control of who I work with and when I work and that kind of thing. I think I just thrive on my own. I was a manager at the agency I worked at before I departed to start my own business And that was very hard. And I don't know if everyone feels that way about management, but I certainly did. And that piece of it, trying to build a team and keep them engaged and keep them motivated, I just didn't enjoy that as much as actually getting in there with the clients, getting to know them, doing the work. And I still 
I mean, I still enjoy doing that. And I have kind of changed gears along the way. Like sometimes I'll be more doing more PR than writing, sometimes more writing than PR. I kind of like the mix and the balance. And then of course, content marketing has come along and that's created a need for, I think, both writing and PR because I see content marketing um, really is, you know, having pieces of both of those in there. And then, of course, social media. So I see PR content, social all being kind of tied up together. And I forget what you even asked me. <laughs> How you keep going. That sort of daily motivation. But it sounds like it's it's that the, the, the variance, the variety. Yes, the variety. And then I think too, just having kind of a support system, because I think we get we can get very lonely as freelancers. I work at home in an office by myself with my cat, you know, so, um, you know, it's I am a mom as well. Um, I have two teenagers now. But you know, when I started, I, I started before they were born. So I was I it was you can get lonely. And so I have started on Twitter, I've started a chat for freelancers. And that has really helped me build you know, a support system, if you will, of people I can uh, chat with. I sometimes we actually talk on the phone, like, you know, not just on Twitter. So they're real relationships. And that has helped me greatly, as has trying to like build relationships in real life. But honestly, the last couple years, you know, I haven't been out in person a whole lot, uh, networking or doing any events or lunches or what have you. So yeah. How long have you been doing that Twitter chat? It's three and a half years now. So it'll be four years old in September. And you do it every single week? Every Thursday at noon Eastern. So we do it at a time when people from uh, different time zones can join us because we do get people from across the pond that, that uh, yeah. tune in often. And, you know, people from all over, really. We have freelancers from all over that that come and I wish I could tell you how many people come. I know it's gotten very busy in there. So uh, and then when Twitter launched its communities, we have a freelance chat community. It's a private, you know, community for people that come to the chat. And but that gives people yet another way to connect, ask questions during the week. Something comes up. They have a question for the group. It's you know, it's it's not like you're post. You're not you're not sharing it with all of Twitter. You're just sharing it within the community. So that's kind of nice that they can feel that they can do that and and maybe get some help and it might be a really obvious quick answer but how do you go about taking those um sort of relationships that you build online offline well i mean i you know obviously i don't i don't talk to everybody on the phone but i do set up phone calls with people sometimes and then also uh we do sometimes run into each other at events content marketing world is a place where I've actually met a lot of people that I know on Twitter in person. And I'm speaking there again in September. So I'm pretty excited. And I'm hoping last year, the attendance was down. I spoke in October, it's in September this year. So I'm hoping, you know, perhaps more people will be able to join us because I know the pandemic has affected people's willingness to travel and go to things in person. So we'll have to see but it's a great community. And a lot of those folks are on Twitter as well. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so good, though, isn't it? Like when you 
I know when those profile pics come alive and you actually get to meet in person. It is. It's like my Twitter feed comes to life. That's how I always describe it when I'm walking around and there's nothing like it really. I mean, I do appreciate all of my Twitter relationships. And like I said, I have some real friendships through Twitter, but when you meet them in person, it just deepens it and takes it to another level. So Mm. do you feel like the, like hosting that Twitter chat helps your business i mean obviously it helps your business indirectly through the support Mm -hmm. and stuff but as in bringing you work well it probably does but i want to be very clear and that is that is not why i am doing it or why Mm. i started it i truly feel that freelancers need support and i also feel like there are a lot of people who will uh try to you know fleece freelancers and sell them things they don't need and freelancers that aren't very experienced will try to train other freelancers or coach them or sell courses and I just have a real aversion to that because I feel like they're very vulnerable and it's easy you know they're just kind of desperate sometimes like for to learn how to get clients or learn how to manage their freelance business and I felt very strongly that not only do they need camaraderie but they need somebody to trust or a group to trust some people to trust they can ask questions and nobody's expecting anything from them i'm not selling them anything i don't take sponsorships for the chat yes i do get some visibility out of it but that's not you know in the beginning there were four of us or five of us you know so it was never about that uh and it still is not about that love that so you mentioned the new community feature of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Have you have you done the spaces thing as well where you can kind of like chat and have conversations? I do. I do have a space. I co-host on Friday PR lunch hour, hashtag PR lunch hour. It's a space on Friday at noon Eastern. So Thursday at noon Eastern is the chat and Friday at noon Eastern is the space. The space is PR and the chat is freelancing. And those are the two things that I'm really passionate about there's three of us that co-host it and then we we have communications and pr pros and sometimes reporters and people that are just interested in hearing you know what's going on in that industry come and it's been really fun it's not something i probably would have done unless somebody asked me to do it you know but i've enjoyed it is it an hour pr lunch hour is it an hour it is an hour yep from 12 to 1 yep so as well as presumably then expanding your network even further uh, but mm-hmm. this time in in the field that you work in, it yep. it kind of sounds like it must be sort of you know like when we were talking about that. How, how do you stay motivated? That that sounds motivating in what you do. It really is, and it's very interesting to hear what people are saying and thinking. And I have learned so much because again, we get people from all over the world, and the people that I co-host with. Uh, one of them is kind of more in the entertainment and sports side of things, like more on the publicist side. I don't really call myself a publicist because I work more with like boring B2B <laughs> technology and manufacturing <laughs> companies and so forth. So it's a really nice mix because I don't have a lot of insight into some of that. And this person does. And so um, it's it just it gives you a different perspective, too, because everybody that's there. It might have a little bit of a different take on something that you hadn't thought of. And it just keeps you, you know, you have to have an open mind. And I think it really helps you learn and not be in your little box, you know, which I think is so important more now than ever that people are open to the way other people think and know that, you know, like my idea about this is not the only idea out there. And so it really opens us up, I think. Oh, interesting. (laughs) 
That was a well-timed, like you were a contestant on Jeopardy or something. (laughs) Which must mean that you just gave a great answer. Okay, back with Michelle in a moment. I always love hearing how people get their clients and how they get found. One way you can get found is by letting Google do some work. But to give Google the best chance of finding you, you need to sort out your SEO performance on your website. And I recommend checking out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. They are experts in SEO. It is free to use their Webmaster Tools so you can monitor the SEO health of your website. It gives it like a regular scan and pulls up all the different things that you can think about fixing. It shows you backlinks. It shows you the keywords that bring you traffic, which is very, very helpful. And if you don't know anything about SEO, the great thing is there's little buttons you can click for explain it and they've got tutorials which also let you go a bit deeper it's free did i mention it's free because it is uh, go to hrefs.com slash a w t hrefs is spelled a h r e f s and thank you very much to the team there for supporting this episode okay let's head back into our conversation with michelle you work from home, which is what you wanted. You always wanted that remote working. I did. I love it. I feel like freelance is um, just, you know, it is a lifestyle for me. And I think I really thrive this way. And I don't know how I would be going into an office. I mean, I don't think I could do it now. Like I could go once a week or twice a week, maybe. But for me to sit in an office all day, I don't even know if I'd be able to get anything done. Like I, I feel like I need to focus and I, you know, when I'm writing, I, I don't even listen to music. I can't sit in a cafe. I just want, you know, like quiet. And I, I feel like this is great because I can pop into my office. I have a door. I can close the door if I need to do something. And then of course, if I need to take off to go to my kid's school for something, or if I have an appointment or whatever, I don't have to tell 10 bosses that I'm going or where I'm going. And there are no questions because of course my clients don't care if I work at midnight or if I work at 10 a.m. or they don't care as long as the work gets done. So that just made sense to me. And it thrills me to see that the rest of the world is maybe starting to think more like this because I just feel like it's long overdue. I have never understood. And even for businesses, they have to pay for space for people. And I just, I just don't, I I don't know why more people aren't doing this. And I know that plays into work-life balance but there's more to it than that so how have you found balancing the two I think it is a juggling act at times especially as a parent when my kids were little it was much harder and you have to have again it takes a village you have to have resources so maybe that's relatives that babysit or a babysitter or I mean maybe daycare or whatever it is but I was willing to kind of make those uh, sacrifices a little bit as far as I wanted to spend more time with my kids uh, when they needed me the most, which is when they're little. Of course, they still need me, but in a different way. You know, it's not like they're dependent upon me, but I still enjoy spending time with them. Um, and so it's also nice because, you know, we have dinner at the table together every night. I usually don't work on the weekend. You know, every once in a while, there's something, of course, in PR, you can have a crisis or something come up, or or maybe there's a, a product launch or a trade show that coincides with a holiday period or something, but that's not consistent. And so I just feel like it's nice because 
it it is a balance because sometimes you work more, sometimes you have more time off and you can control that to a degree. I'm not saying all the time, but I feel like it's worked out pretty well. Nice. We spoke about Twitter, but how about what you do on LinkedIn? Because you mentioned that as well. What do you get up to on there? You know, I feel like I have to be there because <laughs> I, it's, I'm in B2B. <laughs> I don't like uh, the clicks and the like formula to succeed on LinkedIn, which I feel is now there. Like you have to do the long form posts and you have to space it out and you have to put the link in the comments and you have, there's all these things and I'm like, well, can I just share about work related things? Isn't that what LinkedIn is for? You know, and then people are posting about their, their diets and their sex life and they're this and they're that. I'm just like, no, this is LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't, you know, like save that for Facebook or Instagram or I don't know. I mean, I, I know some people, again, would disagree with me on this. But I mean, I just feel like it's taken a weird turn, LinkedIn, you know, so. <laughs> I. <laughs> but are you on there like every day? Like, how do you play it? I don't post every day. I'm probably over there checking the feed or checking notifications every day. And I do get work that way. So I, I can't say it's terrible and I'll never use it again. I mean, it's, I'm not that in that camp, but I just know a lot of us that think feel like Twitter is more authentic and just a better place to have conversations don't love LinkedIn as much as we love Twitter, but I still think it has a place. And for my clients, again, in B2B, Sometimes I even post, you know, articles for them on their company page or, you know, I go over and like, you know, what they're talking about. And, you know, so it does play a role in my work as well. You've got some great testimonials on your website as well. It's like getting testimonials like something you systematically do or is it just when you're building a web page and you go, oh, I really should ask? No, I'm trying to be better about it. I'm trying to kind of build it into my system and ask when we've had some success. So not right at the beginning of the re relationship, maybe a few months in when we've had something to crow about, you know, then I might go in and, and ask them. I think it's important for freelancers to do that and to remember, because I think we forget, you know, we get so busy doing our work and marketing our business and living our lives. And we forget to ask to strike when the iron is hot to ask a happy client to sing our praises a little bit. And then we also don't want to share what they said, you know, and I'm like, you know, as a freelancer, you have to be okay, kind of talking about yourself and promoting yourself a little bit. I mean, I don't think you should be slimy about it, but you should find ways that you're comfortable doing that. And it's perfectly okay to share a client testimonial or something you've written or an award you've won or whatever it is. I think it's perfectly acceptable and, and a good idea yeah everything sounds like it's you know your freelance life is going great and has been so for for quite a while what have you found more challenging about being freelance I mean you have to always be pouring into it I guess it's not like I mean I know some people take sabbaticals or take a month off I try to take a vacation a couple times a year even if I just stay home like I try to take a break basically over the holidays I don't work and you know, but I mean, I feel like if I left for a month or three months or like that would be really bad for my business. So I feel like there's a little bit of pressure that way sometimes. I think what can help is if you have like a trusted colleague who can um, like when I took maternity leave with my daughter, um, I did have another freelancer, another consultant 
who I brought in to fill in for me uh, with clients that needed that. And we had a call where we introduced them and everybody knew how to contact each other. And, um, you know, I trusted that person because, you know, they could just take my clients, right, and run. So it has to be somebody you trust. But I do think those kind of relationships can be helpful if you are trying to take time off and you maybe feel like you just can't, you know, unplug entirely. That's one thing I would say about it. And then, you know, just, you know, you have a lot of ups and downs and you have to be okay with that. Like you learn a down is not going to stay that way forever. And an up is probably not going to stay that way either. (laughs) Just like right now, we've got a recession looming. So we're probably going to be talking about that on the chat pretty soon. And I said to somebody, is this good to talk about? Or is it like Debbie Downer, you know? And, And they said, no, no, I think it's better to be prepared. And so that's what I would say is that just, kind of keeping yourself ready and prepared and, and like, okay, to roll with the punches or the ups and downs. Um, that could be challenging. And I think I'm doing better than I probably used to do with it. Mm. I was gonna say, how, how do you prepare for that? Because by the nature of recessions and economic cycles, like over, a, you know, two decades, we've seen quite a few, really. Yeah. How have you learned to sort of better ride that wave? I think between, well, here in the US, I think we had a, you know, a a pretty serious recession kind of back toward 2008, 2009. Mm. Um, I was not in a good position for that. And I did suffer. And I kind of had to take clients that didn't pay as much that weren't the, the jobs, the projects weren't maybe what I wanted to kind of get myself back in a better position. So when we had, we kind of had a recession about two years ago. I think that's when it was, it was very, it was short when COVID started and I felt in a much better position because I was out there. I had a digital presence. I I'm kind of everywhere. I mean, not, you know, I'm not saying that like, Oh yeah, look at me, but I'm just saying, you know, (laughs) I've worked really hard to build a body of work. You know, I, I have my articles, I have my website, I have my social media, And of course, you know, I'm trying to talk to people and get to know people and be a resource for people and in the spirit of really helping them, of course, but it's good for your business to be in that spirit all the time, because then when you do need to rely on that a little bit more, it's going to be there for you. You know, once you build it, you will have it. And to me, it's all about like playing the long game and kind of showing up every day consistently and just being present. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Mm. How how have you managed like the business side of things, be it the pricing or the managing of finances and clients? Not very well. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably my, like my Achilles heel. Honestly, I don't love that part of the business. Okay. So honestly, the administrative side, the financial side, I do have an accountant. He does my taxes, bless his heart, because I I wouldn't want to do them. And he knows the ins and outs and the laws and they change. And I don't know all that stuff and I don't want to know it. So as far as like my month to month, like I do my own invoices. I have to make sure I'm following up if somebody hasn't paid me and uh, that kind of thing. And then I've developed a little bit more of an organizational system for clients like shared Google drives, nothing complicated, but just places where we can put everything that we're working on together. Uh, I have a sheet in there. I keep updated on, you know, like what we're working on and the deadlines and what the results are and 
just things like that. Um, and then we can keep images. Like if we're pitching a story and we need some images there and there, I can go there, they can go there. We can find everything that helps a lot. Yeah. Good. Now, Michelle, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself <laughs> to make two true and one a lie. And let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay. I'm going to give you, these are work related. So number one, I worked with a client who invented a personal flying machine. <laughs> Number two, after I started freelancing, I was a digital nomad for a year. And number three, I once met Steve Jobs. Oh, good facts. Okay. I love personal flying machine. You know, you didn't say jetpack. You didn't say heli hat or, you know, uh, what was the personal flying machine? It was called Solo Trek and it was a vertical takeoff and landing device what i would wear it on my back on my head like what would i yes you strapped into it and it had a frame where you put your feet you stand in it Hmm. and you would strap in and then it had rotors up above your head well above your head (laughs) that would spin (laughs) and you would lift off the ground in theory did you get them much press we got press everywhere that was an early client and we were in the Sunday London Times, we were on ABC Evening News, we were in every trade journal, Popular Science, we were like one of the inventions of the year in Time Magazine. It was quite a quite a thing. <sighs> that sounds believable. Next, you were a digital nomad for a year. So we're talking about the year 2020. So where did you go? How did you nomad digitally? Well, I traveled around Europe and I stayed with friends um, in different countries. I lived in Germany for a little bit. I stayed with someone in France. I was in the UK. But like Wi-Fi wasn't quite like it was. Like, How, how did you get on te- technically? Well, we had dial-up. So you would just have to go and persuade someone to to let you plug into their dial-up? Yeah. Internet cafes? Not back then. Hmm. It's my little detective trick there, trying to see how that went. <clears throat> <laughs> and number three, you met Steve Jobs. That's cool. Where did you meet him? It was at a work event. This was before I uh, was freelancing. And I worked at a, um organization. It was called the Ohio Supercomputer Center. And he came. We had some Next machines. And he that was one of his babies. I don't think it went very far. Uh, but we had some of those. And he came by to take a tour and see how we were using them. I'll be honest, I totally believe all of these. <laughs> the personal flying machine, like every now and again, you see these these mad inventions. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean they critically, like financially become a success, but they work and they end up all over the press. That, I mean, that sounds possible. Yeah. Nuts, but possible. <laughs> and then we have Digital Nomad, which, I don't know, you were a little more sketchy on that. I just feel like it would have been... So so difficult back then to do what you do when you're constantly trying to find the next dial-up kind of connection and the fact that you couldn't be on the phone at the same time as doing the dial-up and I just remember I remember what that was like and I'm trying to think could I have and like 
Oh, no, in 2000, you did have like those, they did have like the Apple, very basic laptops. I suppose that's all you really need, though, if you're doing PR, as in you're not, it's it's very text-based, isn't it? I don't know, I don't know whether I believe that. I feel like there would have been, oh, yes, this, I feel like you would have embellished it more with some sort of nightmarish situation of trying to be such an early digital nomad. And then we have you meeting Steve Jobs, which sounds plausible because you were in uh, Silicon Valley. You've mentioned that a few times. I imagine he would be kicking around and he wasn't famous famous steve jobs back then either right so and it, but then even if he was i imagine he would he would want to talk to people who use his thing that's believable you know it's not like you tried to make it sound like i sold steve jobs a personal flying machine like <laughs> the confines of that story a person uh, i'm gonna say digital nomad i'm i'm uh yeah i'm going with that one i don't think that checks out that's the lie well, I think I think you're right. I think you got it. Yes! <laughs> you really did probe though. See, I should have prepared a little better for that. It was literally it was such a nightmare using dial-up. <laughs> yeah. And likewise, like not many people had laptops. Uh so Michelle, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? To go for it and take the leap and, you know, put your ducks in a row, but not to be scared and to know that you can do it if that's what you want to do. Michelle, it's been really great chatting to you. Go to beingfreelance.com, click on the links. As for all of our guests, there are always links as testimo- uh, testimonials. Uh, I'm looking at your website and it's got the word <laughs> testimonial. Um, there are all the links. There are uh, There's a transcription as well as the show notes. But I urge you to click the link that takes you through to find Michelle on Twitter and then see what she does with the Twitter chat. If you've not joined it before, maybe you've not even joined a Twitter chat before, do check out Freelance Chat. Just remind us when it is. Freelance Chat is uh, noon Eastern every Thursday. So figure out what noon Eastern is for you. <laughs> yeah. I I know I've you you had me do one of the hosting things with you once before, which was yes, you've been on thing. the chat. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I would Could, love to have you back, but I know that your schedule's you know crazy. But you you're welcome. You have an open invitation. So. I would gladly come back. I wish I knew something about PR so I could hang out <laughs> in the PR lunch hour space as well. That sounds fun. Uh, it's a it's a really great chat. So it's hashtag freelance chat. But anyway, all the details are on Michelle's Twitter. If you go follow her there. But Michelle, once again, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you, Steve, for having me. This was fun. There was Michelle. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, I really appreciate it if you enjoyed this episode. If you share it online, chat about it on Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever. Um, yeah, do tell other people about it. Give it a retweet if you're already following at Being Freelance on Twitter, for example. Um, yeah, basically it helps. Also, what helps is reviews. You can leave those in the Apple Podcasts app. You can also rate these on Spotify these days. Make sure you're following or subscribing so that you get the next episode. And if you really love and appreciate being freelance, you can even top up my virtual biscuit tin and send biscuits my way by going to beingfreelance.com slash coffee. I'm out of here. You have a great week being freelance.